The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You're working iniquity. I never knew you. They knew all the works they did but they never really knew the Lord Jesus. They never had what we were just thinking about, this grand desire, I, oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face. They never knew that. They never were yearning from their heart, abide with me, stay with me, don't go away. They never had that because they were full of all kinds of religious works, religious works, a lot of religious people in hell. That's frightening. That's the scene of an ultimate shock, an ultimate shock. Everyone, when they die, is gonna wake up. And it doesn't matter if their bodies are cremated in the hottest oven or if their bodies are thrown into 20,000 leagues under the sea. Every person's gonna wake up after death. And what a shocking scene it is to imagine people waking up after death and saying, I woke up, I woke up, my body was cremated. What am I doing waking up? I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be annihilated by the cremator. How could I have woken up after death? Why am I conscious? And the Lord Jesus said that fearing the person who not only kills the body but casts the soul into hell, he said in, in Matthew 10, 28, Matthew 10, 28, fear not them which kill the body but which are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's why the blood of the Lord Jesus is so important because it removes this distance from God, made nigh by the blood, made nigh by the blood. And when a person trusts in the blood of the Lord Jesus as a sacrifice, then he comes into this nearness with God, this closeness with God, and the distance is removed. So that leaves the question, how is the blood of the Lord Jesus work? Well, it's for everyone. The blood is for everyone. It is God's effective plan. It's God's plan. It's God's plan that can result in a peace between men and God. But the plan with the blood was put in place, but it's only effective when man does something, when man does something. And that's seen for us in Romans 3.25. Romans 3.25 shows us what man has to do. It says, God set him forth, the Lord Jesus, to be the propitiation, it says, through faith in his blood. 
through faith in his blood. So, so man puts his faith, man puts his confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus, faith in his blood. Now to get the picture of what that really means, in Romans 3.25 when it says faith in his blood, just picture, just picture now the firstborn on this day of Passover in Egypt. I mean, he saw when God said, go into the house for the plague when he sent the hail, he saw that those that went into the house and brought their animals also into shelter, when the hail came, they were saved. And he saw that those who didn't go into the house when God said go into the house were killed by the hail. So when God said go into the house on the night of the Passover, the firstborn was in the house. You can believe that. But God said on that night of the Passover that the blood of the family lamb, and that's what it was. It was a family lamb. Each family had to select their own lamb, the best lamb, no blemish, They had to examine it for three days, make sure it had no blemish, and that became the family lamb. It's referred to in Exodus, well, as as each family a lamb. And then they would take the blood of the family lamb and put it over the door and on the two side posts of the door because God said to do that. In in Exodus 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, he says, the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. So you look at the blood. In other words, look at that blood. That's what God was saying to the family. Look at that blood. It's a token to you. And then God says, I will look at the blood also. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the firstborn knew that the angel was coming, the angel of death was coming. The angel of death was coming to kill the firstborn. The angel of death was coming to kill him as the firstborn, and he knew that his only hope was in the effective way that God said the death could be avoided, and that was with the blood of the family lamb on the door of the house. So the firstborn, picture it, the firstborn sits in the house, and from far away, he hears the cries and the screams from the families who didn't put the blood on the door, and they just watched in helpless horror as the firstborn dies. And imagine how at first the cries and the screams, they're far away. As the angel moves along, the cries and the screams get closer and closer and closer, and he knows soon the angel of death is gonna reach my home. And as the firstborn hears those cries and screams getting closer, he is more and more putting his confidence in the blood of the family lamb that's on the door. And he must have been praying stronger and stronger as he hears those cries come in. Oh God, you said that when you saw the blood on the doorpost that you would pass over the house. We see the blood on the doorpost. I saw the blood on the doorpost. Now it's time for you, Lord, to see the blood. You said death would skip over that house. You said that you wouldn't kill the firstborn in that house. God, we put the blood on the doorpost. I saw the blood, just like you said. God, I'm relying on your promise. That's a picture of what it means to put faith in his blood, faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that 100% unreserved confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means not confidence in any works that I do, not confidence in any gifts of charity or things like that. It's, it's only blood. 
It's blood only. It's confidence only in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because his blood speaks of sacrifice for our sins. Just like the hymn says in Rock of Ages, it says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. But the word faith, when it says faith in his blood, that's a responsibility that man must do, man must do. God did not put the blood on the door of the houses. He said, each family, you have to do that. I've told you what to do, now you have to do it yourself. You have to kill your family lamb, you have to collect the blood, you have to put it on the door. It was so clear, it's gotta be there. And the deciding factor as to whether or not the first one was gonna live or die all came down to whether or not there was obedience to the command, put the blood on the doorpost. That's why the gospel is called a command. The gospel is called the command to obey. Second Thessalonians 1.7, it says, and to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And they that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. God takes vengeance with flaming fire and he punishes with everlasting destruction those who don't obey the gospel, those who don't put the blood over the doorpost there. They were punished, there was vengeance. That's why the gospel is like the command that Moses gave, put the blood on the doorposts. The gospel is a command to obey. And so it says in Acts 17.30, Acts 17.30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath appointed. See, the gospel is a command. It's a command, turn away from sin. That's repentance. Turn away from sin and put confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, judgment comes to those who refuse that command. Just like death came to the firstborn to those who had no blood on their door. Salvation's not automatic. It's not automatic. Each person must individually put his faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, you would think that when God justifies us, that we would be justified by God justified by God. But it's interesting, in Romans 5.1, Romans 5.1, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, therefore, being justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What it says is, therefore, being justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God, justified by our faith in the blood of the Lord, in the blood of the Lord. So that's his plan. That's his effective plan. That's why we're studying all about the, shed, the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, because of all it accomplished. It's important, it's super important. And God's plan is that there's no man, there's no person today who's an enemy with God that the blood cannot reconcile him to God. There's no person. God's plan is there's no guilt, there's no sin that any man has today that the blood can't wash away. It can't wash away. It is a mighty payment God has put forward a mighty payment to forgive all the sins. And a person counts the blood of no value when he says, no thank you, I'm gonna make a CV of my good works instead. Everything has been done, everything has been done, and it's paid for by the blood. And the blood speaks to the lost. The blood says to the lost, all you have to do is come. Don't resist, just come. 
Just come to the Lord Jesus, like he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, come unto me. Just come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says in Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118, come now, come now. Let's reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. See, all a person has to do is come, just come. Because God looks at the blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus, and he says, from my side, I am reconciled to you. The question is, will you from your side be reconciled to me? That's what the blood is. When you go over into the tabernacle, over there, and you look at the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant of the Holy of Holies there, and you see the blood on the horns of the cherubim, you see the blood there that was put there, that the high priest put there. And what are the cherubims doing? They're facing inward. They're looking at the blood. And their focus is on the blood. Their eyes of the cherubim are on the blood. And we can imagine God looking on that blood and saying, you know, based on this blood, I am reconciled to you. And only as man looks at the same blood and, and, and says, based on this blood, I am reconciled to you, God, See, when both focus on the blood, God looks at the blood and sees, I see the blood, I'm satisfied with the payment of the blood. And it's only when man looks at the same blood and said, this is all my payment, I've got nothing more, nothing less, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's why God gives to us as a basis for this ministry of reconciliation, the blood, he gives us the blood, and then he says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, 2 Corinthians 5.18, all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are as ambassadors for God as though God did beg you, did beseech you by us. We pray you, we beg you, in Christ's dead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be a sin offering for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, when it says that, that God reconciled us to himself and then gives us the ministry of reconciliation, that means that our ministry comes from our own experience. When those gone to the Israel live and begin in their friendship and their building of their friendship, they're gonna come to a point where they're going to say, this is what I know by experience. This is what happened to me. I'm not gonna point you to some cold, sterile book and say, well, read that and then and follow it. No, I'm gonna tell you what happened to me. I became reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood. It's an adequate payment for all my sins. It's an adequate payment for your sins. And when the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech, beg you, by Christ, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. You know, there's a lot of passion in that verse. There's a lot of passion when it's talking about God beseeching and we pray you. That's not describing the UPS driver. You know, the UPS driver that delivers a package and God does not want us to be like the UPS driver that just delivers the package at the door, rings the doorbell, and then leaves. You know, God doesn't want us to just deliver the information of the gospel like a UPS driver. And by the way, I hope there's no UPS drivers in here. I'm not saying it. You know, well, okay, here you go. Here's what you gotta do to be saved from your sins. You just tell God you're a sinner, open your heart to receive him as Savior, then you'll be saved. Now you know there's nothing left for me to do. Goodbye. 
That's, he doesn't want that. He wants a pleading. He wants us to plead with the lost. The common thought today is that a person has to try to win God over. I gotta win God over. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I gotta win God over. You know what the reality is? The reality is God is trying to win the lost over. He's trying to win the lost over with his blood that was shed for his sins. That's why it says, be ye reconciled to God. Because God's already reconciled. And, 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 and the ball is now in man's court. It's not up to, and, 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 and it's not up to, to, to God to be reconciled to man. It's up to man to be reconciled to God. And that's why a person has to abandon their good works and they have to just come to the real question, do I want to be reconciled to God or not? The fact is, the fact is, God is already reconciled. And what he said, to, what he said through Ezekiel to Israel shows this, Ezekiel 16.62. Ezekiel 16.62 says, I will establish my covenant with thee, speaking to Israel, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Oh, think of that. Think of the day. Every time it says that in the Old Testament, the Older Testament, every time it says that, just think that's Jehovah Jesus speaking. And he says, you will know that I am the Lord. Jesus speaking, you will know. All right, goes on, verse 63, 1663, Ezekiel. Thou mayest remember and be confounded and never open thy mouth anymore because of thy shame. When I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done, saith the Lord. See, God says, I'm gonna establish my covenant with you. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is blood that he took that cup on Luke 22, 20, Luke 22, 20, it says he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new testament, it's the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The new testament, the new covenant is the blood of the Lord Jesus. So he says that. And so that's Moses that's also saying, behold the blood of the covenant in Exodus 24, 8. Exodus 24, 8, behold the blood. Now, that blood is the blood of the covenant that he's talking about in Ezekiel 16, 62, when he said, I'll establish my covenant with you, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And then he goes on in the next verse, Ezekiel 16, 63, and he says, I am pacified. I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done. It means the blood of the Lord Jesus is so powerful, it's made God already pacified. He's already reconciled for all that man has done against him. The question is, Will man be pacified? Will man not be pacified? Will man be reconciled with God? What a statement that is to keep in mind. That when we speak to the lost, that God says, I am pacified toward you for all you have done. It's done. You ever find that, 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 that most people, they don't appreciate the gospel and, and they even become defiant against the gospel, against you as was mentioned already? Well, what do we, what do we expect from sinners? I mean, what do we expect? But so good to remember that God is already reconciled to them, and the only question is to get them to reconcile with God. It takes two. It takes two. God's done his part. Well, man. So our peace, our peace with God, it comes only through the blood. And since the blood is life, the blood is speaking about the life of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, he is our peace. As it says in Ephesians 2.14. Ephesians 2.14. He is our peace. The blood makes peace with God. That's God's effective plan. Now we're motivated, we're motivated to persuade the lost to obey the gospel. This is the goal of the Israel life. The goal of the Israel life is to persuade the Israelis little by little by building friendships to obey the gospel 
Because what motivates us? What motivates us in this quest for their souls? What motivates us is Proverbs 29.1. Proverbs 29.1 that says, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly, that's the word, suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. That suddenly part is very disturbing. It's very motivating because what it's really saying here is that God speaks over and over and over again to a person and he doesn't see, he's thinking to himself that, well, judgment's gonna come slowly and slowly, but it doesn't. All of a sudden, it comes. Now, because the gospel is an invitation with a limited time to RSVP. There is a time when you have to RSVP. And I don't know, maybe God's got a record up there of how many times a person refuses, I don't know. But what it says in Psalm 78, 18, 73, 18, Psalm 73, 18, is very motivating, it's very disturbing when it says, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? And notice this, as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As in a dream when one awaketh. See, to be in a slippery place, that's a horrible place. That's a horrible place because you have a false assurance that the ground is steady there and it's gonna hold you and everything is secure, but it's that all of a sudden part that comes. It's all of a sudden. And, when that's, and that's described in Psalm 73, 19. All of a sudden moment is, in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. You know, I really love driving those windy, scenic roads of Highway 94 from, 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 from Hamul to Takati. How many of you ever driven that? and you survived, praise the Lord. I love that drive. It's beautiful. And I'll tell you another drive I love too. It's Highway 2. Highway 2 from, in Mexico, from Tecate to Mexicali, up through the mountains by Rumorosa. How many of you have ever driven that road? Not a hand goes up, okay. One, two, all right, three, okay. That is beautiful scenery on that mountain, very windy, very windy up there. Steep drop-offs. But there's a few places that you come to where you see the most horrible sights on that road. And you know what they are? Black tire marks. Black tire marks, and you watch those black tire marks as they go right across the road, up the curb, and then you know they went down over the cliff. And when you see that horrible sight, a picture emerges for you of a person just enjoying the ride. They're just having a great time, because it's great. There's beautiful scenery and birds, and, and maybe they doze off. Maybe they just get distracted. But then all of a sudden, there's that moment, that moment, as in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors, Psalm 73, 19. That moment when they realize, I can't stop, I'm going over the side. And they slam on the brakes, the tires screech on the road, but it's too late, the car goes careening up over the side of the road. And what's left for us to see? Tire marks. Tire marks on the road. The tire marks that speak of the Psalm 73, 19. In a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. That's a picture of the person who says, the gospel is just not for me right now. The gospel is not for me right now. That's what motivates us to evangelize tire marks on the road. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you so much for there are all these warnings that you have given, Lord. Thank you that the blood has made you already reconciled. Lord, it's a mighty blood. It's a great blood. And Lord, we pray that you would make us faithful, Lord, to, to the blood, to the blood and to the message of how much the blood can reconcile. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. <laughs> 